0: Hello, I'm Viv Groskop, writer, stand-up comedian, and lover of fast cars and slow lunches, and this is We Are Women. We Are Women is a shiny new podcast brought to you by Mint Velvet. Put simply, our mission is to celebrate women and what it's like being a woman. It's joys and frustrations and challenges and triumphs. We're going to chat to loads of women, some famous, some not, and find out how they live their lives, what makes them happy, what makes them roll their eyes. We want to know about the weapons in a woman's armoury, the secret superpowers we all develop to conquer the crises every day throws up and what delights us, the simple pleasures and wicked indulgences which make it all worthwhile. And because we wear clothes almost every day of our lives, and because clothes are about self-expression and identity and mood and armour, as much as they are about cloth and thread and cut and label, we want to talk about clothes. So this is a chance to step away from the to-do list, take some time out for yourself and just listen. Today, there'll be some of this.
1: It was this sort of red sparkly top with a leopard skin cardigan.
2: A touch of this. It's really important to be kind to ourselves and to think again about why is it that we're trying to make that change in our behaviour.
3: And a smattering of this. I'm running up for two nights. I've got five pairs of black trousers. How can you need five pairs of black trousers?
0: And throughout it all, I'll be joined by today's super special guest, Lucy Porter, comedian, writer, winner of highest ever celebrity mastermind score. She's taking time out of touring with her latest show, Consequences.
1: Welcome, Lucy. Oh, you shouldn't have mentioned the highest ever mastermind score. I barely ever talk about it, you know. I mean, we could talk about it more. I know how modest you are about your (laughs) achievements. What was your subject? Uh, The life and works of Steve Martin.
0: Let's celebrate that achievement because this is a podcast about celebrating the yeah, achievement of women. And I'm trying to be less
1: self-deprecating the older I get. Because yeah. I think it is a it is a great sort of female defence mechanism, isn't it? That we sort of think, oh, I'll put myself down before anyone else has a chance to. And uh, I have decided that I am going to be unashamedly fabulous, beautiful, brilliant and wonderful.
0: Yes, good. It's the, the Beyonce way of looking at the world it basically. is, it is. Yes. but you know
1: I think young women do seem to have a much greater sense of the importance of self-confidence mm. what do you love about being a woman um other women mostly uh female friendship that kind of feeling of uh, you know the, the solidarity of the underdog I think even women who aren't sort of who wouldn't describe themselves as feminist or don't really th- sort of think about women's issues in, in in a way that I might, you know there's always that sort of a certain solidarity under the skin, I think. Mm. and also, I think we do have uh, a lot of freedom in the way that we can express ourselves in terms of clothes and makeup and external things that can be quite fun and can be something that men now are discovering the pleasures of themselves, I think. Mm.
0: Very good. Now, our theme for this podcast is fresh starts, the idea of spring cleaning, turning over a new leaf, change in your life. Uh, Lucy, in your work, do you relish a blank page or does it scare you?
1: Bit of both, bit of both. Yes, uh, I think change and challenging yourself is incredibly important. And I have I think I got a little bit lazy with my career in that I wasn't really challenging myself and I was kind of just coasting a bit and I think I don't know if it was turning 40 or having kids or what there was sort of something that just clicked in me recently you know I've written a play I've started doing TV shows again which I swore I would never do uh, sort of collaborating with other people more so yeah I think I've kind of found a new desire for change. So Lucy Porter, our
0: theme today links with International Women's Day on the 8th of March, a day marked all around the world since the early 1900s. It's all about celebrating the social, economic, cultural and political achievements of women and about speeding up the day when men and women will be treated equally.
1: May that Don't day Don't hang come around soon. for that.
0: Uh, their theme this year is hashtag Be Bold for Change, calling for concrete action for a more inclusive world. Now, Lucy, we're talking here about all kinds of inequality worldwide, mm. but in your day-to-day life, do you think it's still a man's world?
1: Yes. Uh, I mean, professionally, things are definitely changing in terms of the stand up comedy world and in show business. But I mean, yeah, it's still undeniably, it is still tougher to be a woman in show business because you are judged far more on the way you look and you aren't allowed to age. And I mean, I think International Women's Day, I have been doing... All female comedy lineup gigs for International Women's Day since I started doing comedy, and the refreshing thing is it has become way easier to find the women to people those gigs, and there are far more women doing what I do and doing well at it as well. I mean, I think the the sort of bold thing to do is to stand with other women. I think one thing that has always slightly affected my feminism is that I have a deep desire to be liked, <laughs> and. You know, it's very easy, particularly in these days of social media, to draw the ire of people by by being bold and speaking up for other women. Um, But I think, you know, that's a tiny way that we can all be bold is if you see someone like, say, for example, there's someone who's being abused on social media and you think they're right then take the time to stand up for them, even if that does mean that people have a go at you. But also,
0: I do think we should stick up for the people pleasers of this world sometimes. It's nice to be nice.
1: I know, I know, I know. And also, not everything has to be an argument. It, you know, pick your battles is a phrase that I'm very much uh, preoccupied with in terms of my relationships with my husband and children. And uh, yeah, I I mean, it, it's one of those things that it's women, I think, need to kick back against being people pleasers all of the time because it does us no good to constantly want to be liked and be nice but I think you're right that uh, some of the men I like most are people pleasers as well and feel slightly weakened by it so Let's be nice to men who are people pleasers, how yes, about that? Yes, yeah? we can write a book, People Pleasing for Men. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. That's Stop great. worrying about ourselves and make them improve. Well,
1: I mean, if men would just laugh at women's jokes in the way that women have always been conditioned to laugh at men's jokes, not only would that be a good thing for society, but it would make my career an awful lot easier. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we've talked to a lot of different women whilst making this podcast and naturally we want to talk to you there's one particular question we're pondering at the moment what advice would you give another woman please come to the mint velvet facebook page or tweet us at mint velvet and tell us what wise words you would share to inspire you here are a few examples
4: i'm tammy i'm a tv producer the advice I would give to another woman is also the advice I try to give myself every day. Stop hurrying. My name is Alice, I'm a restaurant manager and my advice
2: to another woman would be, your motto should be, the best is yet to come. My name is Isabel and I work in comms for a charity.
4: I think my advice
2: to another woman would be just to stay comfortable, like wear
3: comfortable shoes. Yeah, just just stay comfortable. It allows you to feel comfortable. And I think people who feel comfortable are more confident.
4: I think lots of women are obsessed with being perfect and doing the perfect job and being the perfect mum and getting everywhere on time. And actually, if you're a little bit late and somebody's forgotten their gloves, it really doesn't matter. And if you take time to enjoy where you're going, that can also be more fun than the thing you're trying to do in the long run.
0: We'll be hearing more of these, and we'd love to hear from you. Come reveal your life lessons. Our first feature is something we're calling My Life in Clothes, all about how clothes are a way of telling our story, evoking how we felt at key moments, marking those milestones. Today, we're hearing from Polly Vernon, journalist and author of a book which got everybody talking when it came out, Hot Feminist.
4: Okay, so this is my my wardrobe. (laughs) And that, that's my boyfriend's water. Clothes matter enormously to me. I mean, I think it's an opportunity for creativity and it's an opportunity for me to sort of reaffirm my identity, I suppose. I see it very much as an expression of who I am in the sort of broadest possible sense. Uh, yeah, it's an intense pleasure for me and not in any way a point of beating myself up. It's just something I really like and I get it wrong plenty of times and that's fine too. I mean, I think part of the reason that I have become so uh, engaged with clothes is that I was very badly dressed as a child and I felt it. I wanted to look cool. I wanted to be cool. And I think that sounds so superficial, but actually what it means, what you're saying then, or what I was saying, is I wanted to feel like I belonged. I wanted to feel accepted. I wanted to feel admired. And then when I went to university, I went to Sussex. And so I went to live in Brighton and something happened just something sort of switched and i would bounce around brighton just feeling like i i got it right and it was wonderful it was just yeah it was just extraordinary kind of flood of self confidence and um it was that was a truly beautiful feeling so i've i've picked out a few things that uh that i think are important or significant for various reasons. A uh, a Levi's t-shirt, which is orange, green, yellow, blue and cream striped, quite bold stripes and feels amazing to wear that top. It feels like You're dressing it in spring. But I think what's interesting about those colours, and what I'm seeing a lot of, is that people are wearing colour more. And the reason, I believe, is because there's a lot more of it on Instagram. So I think there's this huge uh, crossover between the images we are seeing online and the images fashion bloggers, not just fashion bloggers, all sorts of people are putting out because those colours play well on Instagram, That they're eye-catching, they're dramatic. And I sort of think, how brilliant we are traditionally a nation who wears monochrome and is a bit scared of anything brighter. But we're changing and we're changing because of that. And I have numerous feelings about social media, not all of them positive, but that is one way I think that uh, it's, it's really impacting us well. It's encouraging us to try other things. Um, the other thing I have at the moment is, um, so this is a black sweatshirt that says in white writing across the front of it, repeal. Uh, and that was is a piece of merchandise for the uh, Republic of Ireland's uh, abortion rights movement. So the repeal refers to the Eighth Amendment, which gives fetuses equal rights to the woman carrying them. Um, so basically, it, it's a call to revisit that law. I think it's really important we we talk about that. I think. From a point of view of a fashion piece, it's brilliant. It's kind of really striking and it's a really nice sweatshirt. Um, And I think we're seeing um, kind of this whole collision of protest and fashion. The first time, well, since the 80s, I guess, I do have the slight condition that I think if you're going to wear protest clothes, make sure you're protesting quite specifically, make sure you know what you're protesting against. But this is a uh, political movement that means a great deal to me. So I think that's a really nice example of how fashion sort of transcends everything sometimes and and, and merges with political moments. Um, The most recent time that clothes absolutely provided ultimate armour for me and and gave me a reason to get up in the morning was after the publication of my book, Hot Feminist. Um, It the book created a huge controversy and uh, it's nothing I expected or anticipated or was even vaguely prepared for. I found it incredibly difficult um, and I was having to do kind of endless literary festivals and, and I was I felt very seen and very watched um, and very scared. But the one thing I could do through that, that is I knew what to put on every morning. I knew which clothes to wear. So while the inside of me was a scared, Doubting mush, the outside of me was polished and that, you know, knowing that I was going into those situations that were potentially combative, potentially difficult, at least looking okay. I mean, that absolutely got me through with that question
0: that was Polly Vernon laying bare her wardrobe uh, fascinatingly yeah, what
1: I thought was really interesting about what Polly said was that idea of when everything is in turmoil internally, that you can arm yourself with clothes that you know you're really comfortable in it's I do have a couple of things actually that if if I need to be confident, I, I will know that I can feel comfortable and confident in those clothes.
0: Do you have a favourite colour that you like to wear? I'm trying to remember what colour your wedding dress was. I know I've seen a photo of it. My
1: wedding wedding dress was made by a wonderful woman called Claire Pickens, who um, is a fantastic seamstress and designer. And what she normally does is makes costumes for burlesque dancers. So that will give you some idea. (laughs) I asked her to stick to her signature style for my wedding dress. So I basically looked like I was going to be writhing around in a champagne glass in a Vegas showroom uh, rather than walking down the aisle. But that was what I wanted. I had like a white corset, sort of 50s style, very floaty skirt, a silver sparkly converse because I don't really do heels and a little sort of shrug. And I absolutely loved it.
0: Do you have particular events or moments where you have to dress up and you quite enjoy that?
1: I have TV appearances. For which she said, with a swish of her hand, I, <laughs> "I have been known to grace the small screen." Um, no, but I find it quite stressful when I go on TV. I, um, in my younger years, was very interested in not really high-end fashion, but in expressing myself through clothes. I was mm, that a, sounds dangerous. Well, I was a denizen of Camden Market, and uh, all of those sort of slightly gothy places and I had what I would describe as a kind of classic nineties kooky indie girl kind of style. So it was also quite bright and colourful and crazy hair and um We're we talking strawberry switchblade. Here? Yes, exactly. Oh I see for it. our younger listeners, strawberry switchblade were a marvellous band of the kind of late 80s I would say um, who dressed like they'd fallen into a bin at Claire's <laughs> Accessories and uh, and that was what I liked, like loads of jewellery and so I had this sort of mm. kind of like a punky little mix Yes, yes, exactly yeah, that exactly What a great that. look Well and I loved it, but I feel at 44 that's no longer an appropriate look and I sort of, when I've been on TV recently I've got it right a couple of times and I've got it so spectacularly wrong I did a show called Insert Name Here and I, the outfit, I don't even know what I was thinking, but it was this sort of red, sparkly top with a leopard skin cardigan. And it looked, um, and I, when I say cruise ship entertainer, Viv, I in no way mean to disparage the cruise ship entertainers. They do a marvellous job. But yes, it did look like I should be belting out Copacabana rather Love than it. trying to be witty and erudite <laughs> on the television. <laughs>
0: where we ring the bell. The Thank you. My next guest dishes out advice as the Observer's Agony Art, is an arts critic and a co-presenter of BBC One's The Big painting challenge. She's also a campaigner for women's rights and the founder of The Great Initiative, a charity which promotes gender equality. It's Mariella Frostrup who's sitting on her sofa right now next to me. Now our theme uh, on this podcast is change and I'm wondering for you as an agony aunt, how do you approach that? Do you think it's something that people should take on or do you think it's something that happens organically in your life. Well,
3: yes, I'm very very prone to recommending seismic change in the lives of my correspondents, but when it comes to my own life, I think it's slightly harder to achieve. But I do think as you get older, the messaging is all about the fact that you've kind of got to a point and you're never going to move past that point. And I think the idea of never being able to change of being fixed in one place with one thought process, one way of reacting to things, one set of ideas, is the kiss of death, quite literally. And so it's incredibly important at every point in your life to be open to the, to the idea of change, the idea of reinvention. Even if you don't do it, just to think you might mm. is quite a comfort.
0: One of the things i found um, as an agony aunt is that a lot of people do write in complaining about other people's behaviour... And I spend a lot of time explaining that you can't really change other people. Do you, do you think that's true?
3: I definitely think when it comes to, you know, romantic relationships, going into one with the thought that it's OK, but it'll be better when I've sorted these things out is is, is not a good idea because invariably if people do change, they change in ways you hadn't predicted. And and I think the same is actually true of family, you know. I don't know about you, but I get a lot of letters from people going, you know, my relationship with my sister is a nightmare or my relationship with my mother or my father or brother, whatever. And and I do think, again, that putting a huge amount of energy and thought into how you can change those dynamics is often less productive than just stepping away. And that's one of the things I should definitely... uh, learn to be better at because you don't have to confront everything, you know. It's an awful lot of energy to be constantly in opposition.
0: The image of you is that you have the perfect life. You know, you have a really hot husband.
3: (laughs) Well you do. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, but you do. (laughs) Do you want to Uh, forum for a weekend? Yeah, I wouldn't mind. mind, (laughs) You know,
0: you've got two great kids approaching their teens. You have an amazing career. Um you always look fantastic. From the outside you have this whole sort of perfect thing going on. I think that's how other pe- some people might see you, and it's really interesting when you talk. You 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 often mention like it's important not to be perfect. And I like this person because they're flawed. But I don't think perfection. I mean,
3: you know, first of all, we both know perfection in a human being doesn't exist, really. I mean, how could it? Um, but but I. I also feel very wary of this idea of kind of viewing people's lives from the outside and judging them to be better or... Funnily enough, you know, having had sort of low-level fame for a long time, I've lived a sort of Instagram, Twitter life before they were even invented, you know, and I know perfectly well what it means to be presenting one side of yourself for public consumption and to be living a completely different life behind that facade... And, you know, I think increasingly everybody's living like that. And, you know, as much as it puts a pressure on people to maintain this veneer of perfection, it also puts terrible pressure on other people who fall for it and feel that that, that, that somehow they're failing. So I, 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 I certainly am not... Uh, perfect by any manner of means so far from it um, and, and neither is my life you know I have problems with my kids and problems with my husband and terrible insecurities at work and you know all of the things that every single person out there is experiencing but if you, you know if you google me you obviously won't see that. Um,
0: now, let's, let's talk a moment about International Women's Day mm-hmm. um, so We Are Women is coming out before the 8th of March to mark International Women's Day. And the theme is hashtag be bold for change. I'm just so sick
3: of hashtag campaigning. Mm -hmm. We think that if we send a tweet, you know, that we've done our bit. You know, I I think that, yes, women need to be confident and uh, assertive. But to tell you the truth, I think that equality is something we all need to be fighting for. You know, you mentioned that I started the, the great initiative... And now we're much more focused on bringing men into the discussion uh, about equality because I think actually, strangely and ironically, it's boys who are increasingly silenced in the world we've created and the change has been as dramatic for them. You know, they're taking behavioural patterns from their fathers and grandfathers that don't work in today's world and they just don't know what to do with themselves. So the whole idea of constantly drawing these battle lines between genders seems to me so outmoded and I'd like to see you know an international equality day
0: mm. well you have plenty of time to work on this whilst I'm with your husband
3: <laughs> well that's so great of you to offer to take him I'm off just my being, hands I'm just being generous and I'm really looking forward to just all that free time to myself <laughs> to just lie around and have big thoughts because the other thing that I think that's happened we do have to start Acknowledging that we have a right to time that isn't either devoted to our domestic lives or our professional lives, but just time to ourselves. And I know an awful lot of women really do struggle with that. You know, my husband, you'll find this out yourself, uh, goes to work and manages to take a very clear linear path through his workday, not sort of cluttered with the, whether the order order's being done and whether there's a play date organised and what time, you know, football training starts and whatever all of that stuff is. You know, it's not so important anymore to see adverts with women, you know, driving a Land Rover. Well, yeah, of course we can drive a Land Rover, duh, you know. But it's very important to see adverts with men mastering a Dyson Hoover, You know, and and that's the thing that we've failed to do. We've failed to kind of sell the idea of equality on all of its levels. We've merely sold the idea that we are capable of doing, you know, what was once considered men's work.
0: What inspires you when you're feeling drained? When you're thinking, oh God, I just don't know if I can get through this week.
3: What keeps you going? Go for a walk. I always go for a walk. I mean, all my life I've gone for a walk when when, you know, the going gets tough. I just find that my equilibrium is restored the minute I step away from the computer, step away from the phone. So yeah, I just go for a walk. I mean, I know it's very pedestrian, quite literally. But 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 I find it works.
0: Mm. And you have a very mixed life in that you live a fairly anonymous, quiet life in the country and then you're also in town and doing a lot of stuff in the public eye. How do you work out your wardrobe for all those (laughs) different aspects?
3: You should see me. So I've got, I bought when I moved to Somerset, like a, a, a trolley bag, you know, and so I carry that. And then along with it, about three or four, maybe five plastic bags full of the things that didn't fit in the trolley bag. I mean, I'm money up for two nights. You should see what I brought with me. I've got five pairs of black trousers. How can you need five pairs of black trousers for two nights? I've just come back from a week in Morocco for half term. I could have gone to Siberia for six months with the same amount of luggage. (laughs) It's tragic.
0: (laughs) and is there a concession to your appearance that you couldn't do without
3: i think a blow dry for me is the essential and the greatest revelation has been that you don't have to wear high heels i have finally found the clothes i'm comfortable in i like trousers i like jumpers i like shirts and i like flat shoes and that's what i'm comfortable in and that's what i feel confident in and it Clothes, I think, are incredibly important for your confidence. And once you work out what suits you and what you makes you feel empowered, you should stick to it. There's no reason to change.
1: That I love was... her even more than I did already.
0: Isn't she amazing? Mm. That was Mariella Frostrup. Mm, I loved what she said about this idea of having one life for public consumption and then everything you do in private is different. I was wondering who whose facade do you admire? Um, and almost think I don't want to know what's behind the facade because I don't I just want to think that
1: you're perfect. I'm a big fan of not probing too deeply into the facade, actually. Um I mean, well Angelina Jolie, you see, I was that's saddened so, that's when That's so weird.
0: I was thinking about her too. Yeah.
1: yeah. I was deeply saddened when that whole kind of thing fell apart that she'd been keeping going for so long uh, of being this sort of perfect I mean it you know I still I, th- I think she's amazing I think actually what she does and her commitment to activism in the face of being ridiculed for it um is is really admirable absolutely And now we are
0: joined by another Lucy. Lucy Maddox, consultant, clinical psychologist and writer. She has a blog called Psychology Magpie, and she's obsessed with psychology in everyday places. Hi, Lucy, how are you?
2: Hi, I'm well, thank you.
0: Now, our theme today that Lucy Porter and I have already been discussing, it's fresh start. And we all know that real change is actually incredibly hard. It's very easy to talk about, not so easy to do. Uh, Can psychology research suggest any techniques to give ourselves a fighting chance with
2: change? Mm, I think it certainly can. Um, What it brings to mind for me is uh, the theory of motivational interviewing, which is a kind of bunch of techniques and ideas which have been used for years with Uh, helping people to make changes particularly uh, in relation to fighting addiction Um, and one of the great things about motivational interviewing is it helps us to think about the pros and the cons of whatever behaviours we are engaged in so we need to acknowledge the good things about whatever it is we're trying to give up Because if we don't acknowledge that loss and and those positive things about it, it's going to be much harder to do it. So
0: when you say motivational interviewing,
2: you need to sort of interview yourself about what your motivations are. Well, you can do it on yourself, actually, yeah. And it's about thinking about the pros and the cons of whatever it is that you're trying to change in the short term and the long term. It also really encourages us to think about change as a cyclical process. So um, to acknowledge that it's not just likely, but almost inevitable that with the best will in the world, if we try to make a change, it's really likely that we might fall off the wagon and go back to whatever behaviour it is we're trying to give up. Um, So instead of beating ourselves up about that, it's really important to be kind to ourselves and to think again about how we go about making that change and whether we really want to make that change and perhaps also to think about the values underlying that change. So what is it that we're trying to move towards? Why is it that we're trying to make that change in our behaviour?
0: So you're, you're talking about... The moment when you realise that a bad behaviour that you want to change has actually a positive payoff for you. I mean, I used to be quite overweight and I would eat a lot of donuts and cake, uh, which is in theory bad, but in reality I think I quite liked it about myself because it sort of represented the side of me that just kind of doesn't care what other people think. Mm. And it wasn't until I'd identified that positive thing Mm. and thought, OK, well, maybe I can do that in other ways that I was actually able to change. Mm. Is think, that's what
2: you're talking about, right? I think that's a great example. And I think um, it's really important that we don't get too caught up in thinking about behaviours as good or bad as well. Life and humans are so much more complex than that. Um, that kind of thinking can lead us to to really being a bit mean to ourselves and, and thinking that we're doing a bad behaviour or a wrong behaviour or making a wrong decision and it can get us into all sorts of self-criticism. And quite often I think the stuff we're, we're doing that might be less helpful to us in the longer term is a way of coping with difficult human emotions that we all have.
1: Can I ask a question, Lucian? Because mm. <clears throat> thinking about this, it's I have found it's all very well trying to change yourself, but when society is kind of encouraging you like things like Mm. drinking too much or eating too much they are sort of great bonding rituals particularly actually for women I mean sort of society psychology I suppose if that's if you feel that's unhelpful Mm. that's much harder to change isn't it I suppose what's
2: helpful I think is is to sometimes have a bit of a pause and to try and get in touch with the key values that we have for our lives independent of whatever society is suggesting we do once we've been able to do that we can then make decisions based on that um, or, at, or at least have it as a bit of a guide for what we're doing um, and that's an idea that's from acceptance and commitment therapy that's another type of psychological therapy that's around and tries to really get us to concentrate on the core values that we want to live our lives by and the, the things we really want to prioritize whether that's creativity or family or um, you know whatever that is for us
0: Oh, Lucy, you've got such a therapeutic voice, Lucy Mabbitt's, <laughs> that is. Yes, mine um,
1: is, is anti-therapeutic, I like yeah, to think. Um, but, uh, I, know yeah, I do I, feel like, very, I feel much calmer. I think maybe if you could just phone me up. Every time I reach for a glass of Prosecco or a pie, I might just phone Lucy M.
0: Thinking about, change is it sometimes the wrong thing to do to change external behaviors is it a way of running away from something internally that we should be confronting
2: Mm, i think that's such an interesting point actually and i do think that um if we find ourselves constantly kind of moving from one thing to another and feeling very dissatisfied perhaps some of that is about Um, the difficulty of sitting with with some of those really difficult emotions, you know, feeling dissatisfied with ourselves or feeling uncomfortable or sometimes feeling sad or angry or anxious. Those are all very much um, part of the human experience and um, we're not always encouraged to sit sit with those feelings actually um, and move through them rather than um, trying to move away from them as quickly as possible.
1: I think one of the nice things for me about getting older has been that I have been able to look back on my life and see you know, quite clearly patterns emerging of times when I have been upset or dissatisfied psychologically that I have then attributed physical external causes to, or like, I have three times in my life been for consultations with plastic surgeons, or in one case, weight, and then I went to see someone about having Botox. Um, And then I went to see a personal trainer. And it's sort of now I look back on all those three occasions and I think, ah, oh, you know, it's so obvious to me now that what was really up was emotional rather than physical. I mean, I thank goodness I didn't get, because I, I was going to have liposuction, liposuction, whatever it's called. And, um, and I didn't actually go for it, and I'm so, so pleased I didn't. Mm.
0: I'm so shocked. I'm sitting here in shock. This is a bombshell, because, <laughs> Lucy,
1: you are so gorgeous. <laughs> so, you know, but all women are gorgeous, and we all feel that we're not. And, I mean, I think that's a real... You know, there's no woman I know, of my close circle of friends anyway, who hasn't been through terrible periods of crisis about her appearance, which is awful, really.
2: And there is a lot in our society about how we look, and particularly girls and women um, do have that focus but it's much easier much more socially acceptable to say you're going to get a personal trainer than to say you're going to um, have a bit of therapy and I, I think we've still got quite a long way to go. Thanks to Lucy Maddox. Now
0: each podcast we want to pick up on something everyone's talking about or should be talking about and this time I wanted to bring up this concept of the midster. I've seen this word Banded about on blogs and in the papers. There's this midlife cookbook coming out. There's a new website called The Midult. It's this kind of rebranding of midlife as something that's still ambitious and glamorous and adventurous beyond your 20s. It sort of strikes a chord with how I feel and what I see around me. And there's some very comic, acute examples of this uh, in a recent Sunday Times article. So it's Highlights versus balayage. If oh, you know what balayage I have. Balayage. balayage. Hand painted highlights. Hand painted highlights. Yeah. Uh, Devon Staycation versus Ambitious family holiday in Tokyo. Okay, so Devon staycation is the midstar option. No, the Devon staycation is old school. Oh, okay, right, right, right. right Tokyo right.
1: is midstar. It's like sort of hip midlife. So you're having the passion and excitement of youth, but with middle aged things. So, exactly. So you you go caravanning, but you go caravanning in Tokyo, for example. Yeah, ex- yeah why not? Okay, yeah. yeah, one big slipper, but uh, it's you know it's made out of. Bolivian yak or
0: something yes well actually slippers are a case in point I have some very beautiful red velvet slippers that my mm-hmm. husband gave me for Christmas that I think are, are amazing but I've I got do...
1: three pairs of slippers I've got more slippers than I've got high heeled shoes see I think you're more midlife than midster and <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, me and my husband like, you know he likes home brewing and being grumpy oh, I'm definitely going to stick with Mariella's husband um, <laughs> yes. I think you need to it is all about just finding your own personal way and that it's the awful thing that you tell your children which is the way to be cool is just to be you right you know it's just you've just just (laughs) just got to do what feels right to you but it is true throughout your life and I think the real key to being a Midster is just being it isn't really about how you look or what you wear it's about that attitude of continuing to reinvent yourself have passion and not be afraid of change. Well,
0: on that brilliant note, we must love and leave you. It's the end of our very first We Are Women podcast. Listeners, what did you think? Tweet us at Mint Velvet or come find us on the Mint Velvet Facebook page. The next episode will be coming out in just a few short weeks. But if you can't wait that long, head to the Mint Velvet website and the magazine section where there are loads more articles, interviews, videos, including a gorgeous video of Anna Friel wearing a stick crown her daughter made, amongst other things. Huge thanks to my guests Polly Vernon, Mariella Frostrup, Lucy Maddox and of
1: course Lucy Porter. And if anyone has any style tips for me. I would all gratefully received
0: I don't know if we've got enough room on the website for those actually <laughs> We Are Women is a Whistledown production for Mint Velvet The producer is Kate Taylor I'm Viv Groskop. Thanks for listening and goodbye